Hey guys, this is Craig Hostetler, and I'd like to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. I don't know why I laugh every time I do that. There's something about that that's funny to me. Uh, but anyway, man, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. This is episode number 22. Number 22. You know, I started this podcast about seven months ago, uh, somewhere in that area. And um, this has been... Very interesting for me. I've really enjoyed it. You know, the the intention of the podcast when I started it was um, it, it was to be a place not just for the deconstruction process of my faith, but instead for the evolving, the evolution of of my beliefs. And um, I wanted to be able to share those thoughts and those ideas, uh, and then I wanted to be able to add other people into the conversation uh, of those thoughts and ideas and then, you know, present that or, or offer that, I guess, is the, is the word I'm looking for. And, you know, I've had some great people on the podcast, some people who have really become friends to me, uh, some who have spoken incredible wisdom or intellect into the evolving of my faith. And... Um, then to just kind of put those out there for, for not just for you to, to hear them, but for you to listen and, and to contemplate and, and encourage and to evolve uh, yourself. Um, yeah, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a guy on my podcast by the name of Truth Seeker, Truth, S-E-E-K-A-H. Great dude, man. And his podcast is great, too. He's doing some great things uh, with that podcast. You, you got to go check that out. But anyway, I had him on, man. We had, the, we had this great conversation. If you haven't heard that particular episode, I don't remember what episode it is, but go back and find it. Uh, he's a great dude. But anyway, uh, we had a great time, and he asked if I would reciprocate the favor and be on his podcast. And so I got to do that today, sat down with True Sika, and man, we just had this great conversation. And the Liberty to speak freely, the liberty to say what's on my mind, the evolution of my faith. Now, I will tell you that, that there has been a, you know, there's been a cost with that. I mean, I have lost friends, some of them, uh, what, what I perceive to be lifelong friends, you know, some, some that I thought, uh, yeah, that I've been excommunicated essentially from their friendship, um, and that's okay. You know, at first I was upset. At first I, I will admit I was angry, but uh, now I've come to peace with that. You know, I'm doing my best to present the divine as I perceive that to be. I'm bringing other people into the conversation um, that are that are incredibly intelligent and, and wonderful individuals and. I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I, I've enjoyed this and I want to thank you for being a part of that process. I want to thank you for, you know, there isn't a 14-story 
high rise somewhere uh, with a group of people sitting in a room collecting likes and comments and then presenting them to me in a business meeting, right? Uh, Every like, every comment, I'm the guy that's personally seeing those. And, uh, you know, it's me, a microphone and an iPad and... I'm reading all of those and I'm seeing all of those in your interaction, uh, your evolution, your thoughts. Honestly, man, they mean so much. I appreciate them uh, deeply. And so thank you. I uh, appreciate you guys uh, being a part of the process. I, You know, it, it's you and I in a grassroots kind of way. Um, you are how the podcast expands. You are how the podcast gains new listeners. Um, you are the voice. Uh, you're the ears that hear and the voice that speaks back. And uh, man, I deeply, I deeply appreciate it. So, w- what I'd like to do, man, is jump right in and have a conversation with you about something that um, that I believe in deeply. Um, what I would like to talk to you about today is the idea of the interdimensional path, the esoteric view uh, of the inner journey, and the discovery, really, of God, the effects of the fall, as it were, or Adam and Eve, um, the idea of redemption and the path to God and to his kingdom, and how all of this is really an inner journey. Um, an inner exploration, and how this God drama and the way that it plays out is also truly interdimensional, uh, personal. It's a deep evolution. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about stirring up the gift that is within. Um, You know, I'd like to consider myself as of late a blossoming esoteric. Uh, Some of the ideas, as I present them, uh, some of these ideas are new to me. Some of these are concepts that I learned, you know, a long time ago. But interestingly enough, um, all of them resonate deeply within, as if I had known them all along. Uh, uh, Does that make sense to you? Uh, have you ever heard a new thing or someone says something or you read something that you have never heard or read before, but it resonated, you know, resonated so deeply within you that you felt as if you've known it all along, as if God granted you some foreordained knowledge, as if the knowing came from something uh, ethereal. Not a book, uh, not a teacher, not television, um, not even intellectual pursuit, but just this deep knowing, this revelation. Some call it like an aha moment. Um, This interesting kind of knowing uh, has a name and it is called Gnosis. And I'm going to give you a definition for gnosis in just a moment to expand upon. It's a, it's a divine revelation. It's a divine insight, right? And, I, and I'm going to expand upon that, uh, on that definition in just a moment. 
But you see Gnosis in action all over the Scripture, Old and New Testament. Uh, And I'll give you a perfect example in the New Testament. This is in Matthew 16. Uh, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. That is Gnosis. In the Bible, Practiced by the disciples, affirmed by the Lord Jesus, right? That is Gnosis. Verse 17, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. Now, when he says flesh and blood, he's not just talking about by some man somewhere. He's talking about um, man and all of his ways. So in other words, Peter doesn't come by this knowing. Peter doesn't come by by this revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, He doesn't get that through intellectual means, right? He doesn't place the pieces together and comes up with an answer. He doesn't place all the Old Testament texts and, and scriptures together to come up with a New Testament answer. When he says flesh and blood, he's saying, uh, you didn't gain this by any of the means or the tools available to the physical. You receive this by my Father in heaven. So, Peter experiences gnosis. Now, gnosis defined would be something like this. A knowledge from experience with divinity or that which is beyond the five senses. The word gnosis does not refer to knowledge received by external indoctrination. Gnosis is conscious, metaphysical knowing, not merely intellectual, conceptual, external indoctrination, knowledge, belief, or theory. Instead, it is an intuitive comprehension of truths, an esoteric form of knowledge. Now, I hate to repeat the definition uh, because you've already heard it, <laughs> but I, I do, I do think there's some important parts in here, and so I will emphasize them uh, as I come across those words. A knowledge from experience with divinity. Okay. That which is beyond the five senses, the word gnosis does not refer to knowledge received by external indoctrination, right? Well, the pastor said, no, 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 we're not doing that. Gnosis is conscious metaphysical knowing, not intellectual, conceptual, external indoctrination, knowledge, belief, or theory. Instead, it is an intuitive comprehension of truth, 
an esoteric form of knowledge. Another definition would be a shorter one. Intuitive apprehension of spiritual truths, an esoteric form of knowledge. That's gnosis. Um, Carl Jung said, gnosis is a special kind of knowledge. It should not be confused with Gnosticism. Now, the reason that I'm interjecting so quickly here and bringing up the idea of Gnosis and Gnosticism um, is because before we move forward, uh, we need to deal with these two very different words. Okay, uh, Gnosticism is a related term of Gnosis. However, the two words are completely different from one another, okay? Gnosis is a knowledge that comes from the divine, not from flesh and blood, not from a book, not from a preacher. It's a divine uh, revelation that comes from God and is extremely important, okay? Gnosticism is a variety of early Christians, uh, a a sect of them that... um, They had an interest in Gnosis. They had an interest in a lot of things. And they had some pretty crazy and strange ideas. Not to say all of them had crazy and strange ideas. There are Gnostic texts uh, out there that are, some of them are very good. But Gnosticism as a whole was rejected by the early church um, because of, of a lot of their strange heretical beliefs. Now, these guys called themselves, the, the term Gnostic, uh, that is a self-applied name. They called themselves the Gnostics. Okay, Christianity rejected Gnosticism. It did not, however, in any way reject Gnosis. The rejection of Gnosis didn't happen until much later. Uh, right? So, that's a joke. Uh, Anyway, Clement is um, this early Christian father, uh, highly respected, highly regarded, highly revered, very influential guy. Now, Clement opposed the Gnostics. Um, In fact, he dedicated part of his work to the rejection of the Gnostics. Uh, But he did not reject Gnosis. The theme of Clement's work, in fact, was to show the error of the Gnostics while promoting and encouraging Gnosis, okay? Um, And Clement goes so far as to write in one of his letters, the true Gnostic, not these other guys, I'm interjecting there, uh, back to the quote, the true Gnostic is the summit of Christian virtue. Gnosis, the knowledge of God, is an end worthy in itself, even the supreme end. So Clement was trying to create a space um, in the faith, in the belief system of that day, to provide and encourage a healthy environment where Gnosis occurred in the individual life of the believer. Um, now, another term I want to talk to you about is uh, closer related, and that's esoteric. Now, esoteric, remember earlier, uh, I stated, uh, or I intended to, that, that I kind of like to consider myself a blossoming esoteric Christian, okay? 
And so an esoteric um, is an individual with a specialized knowledge or interest. Exoteric is something that is, um, I, I guess a good definition would be a doctrine intended or likely to be understood by the general public. Now, Richard Smoley is an author. He's got this really incredible book called Inner Christianity, and I cannot recommend it enough. It's brilliant. Um, But I want to read a quote from him. uh, and, And it says this, Esotericism teaches that this world within us is as rich and diverse as the outer world and consists of many different levels. So from an esoteric viewpoint, the greatest journey that you and I can make in discovering, exploring God is within. It's exploring yourself, the many different levels of the divine uh, within as the God within as the divine within, as the kingdom of God within, and this in opposition to the journey, the discovery of God somehow being exterior to you. Looking for God, experiences of the divine uh, outside of your being, from an esoteric Christian perspective, uh, that, that's not where you're going to find God. That's not where you're going to experience God. Uh, He is within. Think of the words of Jesus, right? Um, Luke chapter 10, whenever he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, uh, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Um, In fact, I think he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, uh, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. You got those inverted and then love your neighbors, you love yourself. Now, what's what's interesting about this is love the Lord your God with all your heart. That that's an inner work. Uh, with all your soul, that's an inner work. That's an inner exploration. Uh, with all your strength, again, this is something that comes and happens and occurs within. With all your mind, again, this is inner dimensional. Uh, work that Jesus is talking about. The only thing external here is love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the inner exploration of who you are, uh, of who God is within, this is the inner purpose of us all, right? This is the, um, what would be a good word? This is like the inner safari, right, of all of us. This, this discovering God within and the way that God speaks within and who we truly are within as well. The battles that we need to face, uh, the enemies that God is destroying internally within us. Uh, this is our... Well, you know what's interesting about this is... Um, there's a lot of great spiritual teachers within Christianity and without. And they say that our life is comprised of two purposes. The primary purpose 
and the secondary. So imagine that your life and the purpose of your life has a primary purpose, right? The most important. And then it has a secondary purpose. Most of us spend the greatest amount of our time and energy on the secondary purpose. The primary, uh, according to, to, to these spiritual teachers, the primary is to discover the kingdom of God within you. The discovery of God within, the spiritual work with the God who is within. This is the purpose uh, of your life. And as this purpose is fulfilled, the secondary purpose, uh, the external that will take care of itself. And what I found interesting about this ideology is it reminds me of the words of Christ when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things of the world, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, all these things will be added to you. When we take care of what's going on within us, when we are, you know, Paul talked about having a clear conscience. Paul talked about stirring up the gift that is within. Uh, When we care for the inner dimensional relationship that we have with God, when we give attention to the, the purity of our own heart, the purity of our own faith, when we are dealing with the wounds or the inner conflicts, the, 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 the things that are hostile to our loving God, when we deal with those and when we experience healing in those areas, uh, when we experience the divine, when we experience gnosis on an interdimensional level, the world without, well, that begins to take shape and form too, or as well, or commiserate to the healing that is occurring um, within. In the view of an esoteric Christian, perhaps one of the most fallen parts that you and I have to deal with is the fallen mind, the carnal mind, the deep, internal, fair-weathered uh, friend that steals life from us, days from us, relationships, peace, and even joy. And it steals it with all these crazy thoughts, right? These fallen thoughts. Uh, these are the kinds of thoughts where you are afraid you're going to end up alone, uh, where you are judging your value in contrast to the value of another, uh, where you are afraid and concerned for loss. All these fallen ideas that come from a fallen part of the mind uh, in the esoteric faith, Christian faith, um, the belief is that this is something that needs healing and repair. In fact, the Apostle Paul speaks about this the battle to find God and peace. And the real purpose isn't the world outside, but instead it's inside. And so the esoteric so adamantly proclaim the journey to God is within. uh, And one of those within areas is the mind. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, uh, the mind governed by the flesh. 
some some uh, translations say the carnal mind is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, uh, nor can it do so, uh, because it's fallen. Isaiah 26 um, talks about the mind as well, and it says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed. Uh, Some translations say fixed. Other translations say harmonized with you, on you. So, there is a way to, to bring this fallen part of the mind into subjection uh, with the very spirit that resides within us. But this is an inner work. Remember, Jesus said, um, the spirit of truth, uh, the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and he will be in you. And that's what we're experiencing now. Second Corinthians 4 says, though we do not despair, Even if our physical body is wearing away, our inner person, interesting term, the us that is within, is being renewed day by day. Um, Meister Eckhart, who is a um, Christian mystic, one of my favorite guys, He said, spirituality is not to be learned by flight from the world. It's not to be learned by running away from things. It's not to be learned by turning solitary and going apart from the world. Rather, we must learn in an inner solitude. Wherever or with whomever we may be, we must learn to penetrate the things of God there. And so what Eckhart, Meister Eckhart is saying is spirituality isn't learned by separating ourselves as much as we can from the world, by running away from the things of this life, by going to some monastery somewhere and hiding out. Instead, he said, we have to learn an inner solitude, an inner work, uh, wherever with whomever we are, we must learn to penetrate things and find God deep within. Um, there is a mind, uh, there's a persona, thought pattern that is governed by emotion. It's governed by fear. It's governed by ego, culture, and the pressures of life. Even more so, it's governed by conditioning. It's governed by... I've always had the idea that that so many of the things that are wrong with us, (laughs) so many of the things that are messed up with us are things that have been superimposed, literally on our psyche, superimposed on our belief system, superimposed on our persona, our personality. Um. So the superimposing of religion, the superimposing of self-esteem, the superimposition of ideologies, uh, ideologies, racisms, sexisms, uh, personal value, human value. It would be impossible, really, to, to create an exhaustive list of all the ways our neuropathways um, 
have really been manipulated, uh, brainwashed, essentially, mind-controlled into patterns uh, that, that we really can't um, break unconsciously. To break these patterns ingrained, superimposed on us, some of which began as early as, uh, you know, as, as early as emerging from the womb. I mean, it, it takes a divine intervention to correct and to repattern consciousness, uh, the fallen parts of us. Some traditions call this fallen part uh, the carnal man. Um, others call this fallen part, uh, another term, a synonym for this would be uh, the ego, which is a perfectly accurate term. Uh, the Christian tradition often refers to it as, you know, the mind governed by the flesh or, or, or the carnal mind. Um, and what is this ego? Um, essentially, it is identification with your own mind. Uh, by your own mind, I mean the patterns that you've been taught, the patterns of this world that I mentioned before, you think as the world around you has thought. Your ambitions are the ambitions of the world around you. Your desire is to impress. Your desire is to be... And let, let's talk about this, man. My, I have a part of me. Uh, I have a part of me that... that, that wants to succeed. I have a part of me that wants to impress, that wants to be accepted, that, that wants to be wanted by the world around me. And you have that too. Your mindset is essentially a mindset, a thinking, a pattern carried away uh, by the things, the external dimensions that we call the world or, or the culture around us, uh, all that we currently know as opposed to living by the deeper resonance, the deeper truth uh, that's within. So this fallen mind and our identification with it, governed by the flesh, causes us a lot of complications relating uh, too close to the ideas, to the emotions, to the ambitions, the lusts of this world. It causes us to see life, to translate its priorities in the most corruptive ways. And I want you to think about all the ways, really, for a moment. If you could, uh, just for a moment, think about all the ways that your peace, your joy, is disrupted by the ego, by the fallen mind. Who are you jealous of right now? What are you worried about right now? Who do you constantly compare yourself to? What are you killing yourself for? And honestly, do you, do you love your life right now? Do you love living? So many of our physical emotions and ambitions and desires and passions are directly connected to falling thinking, uh, to the carnal mind. And this happens, I think, on a very unconscious level. It's, it's very primordial. Now, there certainly are emotions and ambitions and desires that are 
completely physical and they are not fallen. You know, they're, they're, they're divine in nature, the sharing of love and, and joy, all those kinds of things. I mean, those are not everything physical is primordial and primitive, but so many of the things that we find ourselves lost in. Um, you know, the mind is the most powerful human organ that we have. It can illuminate or it can condemn. So then, esotericism believes that Christ delivers the willing from the primordial mind, or at least enslavement to that mind. 1 Corinthians 2 says, Who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So, discovery of the mind of Christ, some would call this Christ consciousness, which has a variety of definitions and labels today. Um, this is an, again, this is an inner work that changes our experience. It changes our connection to the world. The Apostle Paul, who is often listed as the poster child um, for the greatest volume of esoteric and mystic texts in the Scripture, this is the guy that said, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And if you know the Scripture, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, see, you can see right here that Paul is saying, look, you've got this fallen part of you, or this this fallen thinking that, uh, that wants to conform to the patterns of this world. And he says, don't do that, but be transformed by the renewing, by the changing of your mind then, and I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here, um, when he says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, I believe what Paul is saying here is, as your mind is transformed and as you experience in the, the inner healing of God in the fallen parts of who you are, your ego, your jealousy, your insecurities, which we all have, by the way, I have them, I have them, I, I got a double dose of those, I think. It's when you begin to experience healing in those areas, that's when you will be able to experience gnosis. Richard Smalley in his book, Inner Christianity, again, which is just brilliant, I, I highly encourage you to, to get a copy of it. Knowledge that liberates consciousness is often described as esoteric. The word esoteric is somewhat forbidding, usually connotating something obscure, exotic, and irrelevant to daily life. In short, something far out. But etymologically, (laughs) the word means exactly the opposite. It comes from the Greek esotero, which means further in. You have to go further in yourself to understand what this knowledge is about. He goes on to say, Esotericism teaches that this world within us is as rich 
and diverse as the outer world, that this world within us consists of many different levels, paths, and thoughts, that we ourselves are a cosmos. I love that. That we ourselves are a cosmos within a cosmos to be explored. That God also, and the connection we want to have with Him, is largely an inner work as opposed to something external. You know, so many of us, and, and, uh, and, I, and I know that this is true of my own life as well, um, so many of us, I, I, I think, we're brought up to believe that God is somewhere outside of us. I know, you know, I was, I was ordained in um, a couple Pentecostal, organizations. One of them was, you know, the largest Pentecostal organization in the world. Now I will give Pentecostalism this, the experience of spiritual, um, I guess the experience in the move of the spirit is encouraged to experience the spirit is encouraged. And I, and I, and I'm going to give them that. But so many times the inference is the spirit is outside of us and we need to move outside of us, onto us, and that whole type of thing. And I can remember songs that we would sing, one in particular that used to bother me. We would sing, send him on down, send him on down, Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down, which is funny because um, the Bible says, you know, don't you realize, don't you know that you are the temple of the living God, uh, that... um, the Holy Spirit will be in you and those kinds of things. Yeah, so in fact, um, in fact, Luke 17, uh, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, this is brilliant, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. I'd like to say that he's saying the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be seen, right? Neither can they say, look here or look there, for the kingdom of God is within. Within you, actually, is what he says. So here's another teaching where Jesus is saying, look, you can't see it. That's not what it is. You can't say, look, there it is, or look over here, the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is within you. The Apostle Paul said, "Uh, surely you know you are God's temple. His spirit lives in you. Galatians 2, he says, it's no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. And so we see that this this inner work is incredibly important to the Christian. We can see that this inner work is something that matters. It is the path. It is the place where God dwells. And so many of us today, we go to church to experience God. We go to a conference to experience God. We go to a particular speaker to experience God. You know, uh, 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 arenas are filled with people 
who go to hear someone that they believe will bring God with them to you know the conference, the event, whatever the case may be. But the kingdom of God isn't found in an arena. The kingdom of God isn't found uh, in an icon. The closest, most direct path to experiencing God is to look within. Um, to dive in. To experience, you know, it's interesting because when you look at the scripture, when you look at the Bible and you see things like the Apostle Paul who says, um, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. And then he goes on to describe this experience, this ecstatic experience that he has with God. But he's even saying, you know, I was in this position where I don't know if my body went. I don't know if my spirit went and left my body, you know, something. Uh, well, I don't know. We'll get into labels, but 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 Paul is saying, look, I had this I had this very transcendental experience, metaphysical experience that was outside of the natural realm. The entire book of Revelation, right, uh, was written by a guy named John, who is experiencing a transcendental moment. He's seeing things in a transcendental state, a metaphysical state. And, uh, you know, Jesus goes off to pray. Uh, It's interesting because so much of the early Christian, uh, 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 I guess, experience, practice, was personal, it was inner explorative. It was um, mystical. You know, it was a very interesting, um, beautiful connection with the divine. As opposed to what it's really become for so many today. For so many today, it is a... Uh, moral constitution, which, by the way, so many fail at, right? It is an adherence to theologies. It's an adherence to doctrine. And somehow thinking that that adherence to those doctrines is what makes you a Christian. And uh, reminds me of, of Jesus when he says, you, you know, you, you, you follow me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. For so many, that is their Christian experience. I see, you know, you're not fooling me. I see you guys. You realize social media is a platform where everybody sees uh, your shit. (laughs) You realize that social media is a situation where what you post, everybody sees that, man. So when you have on your Facebook page, so, you know, first name, last name, worker for Jesus Christ, right? Or um, I've seen some of you with your turn and burn uh, posts on Facebook. And then on some, I'm talking about dudes, on some chick's Facebook, you'll be talking about in a very provocative and uh, in inappropriate way how hot she is. Oh, come on, man. 
that is not that is not a God experience. That is an adherence to theologies and ideologies. That is an adherence to doctrine that you perceive gives you a connection to God. And it doesn't. Because God is not a doctrine. God is not a theology. And this, by and large, in many ways, is my problem with so many of the Reformed theologies. In fact, it's also my problem with the whole Sola Scriptura thing, which... um, I'll deal with in another podcast. So many have an intellectual connection to God and they've never explored the realm of the Spirit. They've never had an inner work. They've never had an inner exploration of the kingdom of God as it desires to unfold within each one of us, as it desires to build bridges to tear down strongholds, to heal the fallen, abused patterns of this world that exist within our mind. And they've never experienced those beautiful desires, the primary purpose of our existence. And let me say to you, in so many ways, I have not experienced that as well. This is a new work for me, uh, but it resonates deep with me. It resonates deep with my spirit. It, it even resonates deeply on an intellectual level because this was the practice of Christianity prior to uh, the corporatization of it. Yeah. There's a rich, wonderful, beautiful part of Christianity that's very esoteric, that's very mystic. There's all kinds of great writings out there by respected individuals, a Clement, Origen, great individuals. Friends, there's a large world. There's a cosmos of Christ out there that wants to unfold and blossom, literally blossom within every single one of us. And it, and it isn't about politics. It isn't about uh, statutes. It isn't about all the things that we currently believe Christianity to be about. It isn't about that. It is about the consciousness of Christ, the mind of Christ, the pneuma, the Holy Spirit, blossoming. You know, the Bible says it's like living waters springing forth from our soul. It's an, it's an inner work that God wants to perform an inner healing. We tell everybody that they need to have a personal relationship with Jesus and then we teach them how to go to church, how to vote. Uh, That's not what this is. This is meditating 
on Christ. This is a transcendental move of God. This is ecstatic experience. This is gnosis. This is hearing the voice of the Lord. This is developing the Christ consciousness, the mind of Christ within you. it's, It's all those mystical, esoteric things. And uh, that is the primary work. It's purity before God as a form of mm, almost like magic. I know that's a dirty word in our our, uh, venue of belief genre. But there's so many beautiful things that we have misunderstood. And I hope that we can explore those together. All right, man, I have talked long enough. I don't even know how long the podcast is because uh, the timer went off. So anyway, guys, God bless you, man. Would love to hear from you. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, hit me up, man. God bless you. Done.